0: Hello, and welcome to the Think Again podcast. I'm Denise St. Ivany. Today my guest is Greg Gizzi, head of the Municipal Bond Investments for Macquarie Asset Management. Greg brings more than 30 years experience working in the U.S. municipal bond markets, and he's been a member of the team since 2008. Greg, it's great to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you, Denise. You know, whenever I talk to you, I feel like I have a full discussion about um, not just municipal bonds, but an economic and political discussion. So I think it's terrific timing to have you here today to kind of look back on where we've been over the last 12 to 14 months, uh, what we want to think about as we look forward, and what other issues should we cover?
1: Sure. So certainly uh, 2020 was quite a year for the municipal market uh, when you look at the fact that heading into uh, the middle of March, the market had reached an all-time low in rates as measured by the Muni market data AAA scale. And within a couple weeks, we were 200 basis points higher and spreads had widened out dramatically on the back of what we affectionately know as the COVID-19 sell-off. And I think it's always important when you talk about municipal bonds to address the really the playing field that exists in the marketplace for municipals, uh, it is a product that is roughly seventy percent owned by individuals and susceptible to uh, really run on funds when investors collectively decide that for whatever reason uh, they're going to head for the exits and sell their product. Um, we went from uh, you know a Fairly constructive marketplace to one that was creating, by certain metrics, uh, all-time relative value. Uh, and I'm using muni, uh, I'm using muni ratios when I talk about this uh, in the marketplace. And you know when the when the team looked at what was transpiring, we knew a couple things. One, we knew that we were in uncharted territories. Uh, it was certainly the first pandemic I think many participants in the market uh, were having to deal with. And uh, as a result of the pandemic, we knew that there was a forced economic shutdown and that would have negative implications uh, for you know, the economy in general. Um, knowing that though, when we thought about what it would take to come out of the pandemic, it was those exact factors. We would need restoration of the economy or reopening of the economy. And that would not occur until we had progress on the health front, because this was a health crisis that turned into an economic crisis. In fact, I'll remind uh, our audience that when you look at municipal credit, uh, we're on record as stating that muni credit was probably in the best shape in over a decade heading into the COVID sell-off, which actually uh, turned out to be a blessing in disguise uh, as as markets turned, right? So we we went from all-time cheapness uh, we saw the traditional recovery, which is non-traditional muni buyers away from that mom and pop retail audience come into the marketplace when they recognize uh, there's an arbitrage there, munis are trading too cheap relative to their inherent credit credit quality. Um, and what tends to happen is when those ratios start to collapse again, or munis start to outperform treasuries, uh, at some point, you get a reversal in fund flows, and then the cycle starts. The inflow cycle starts again. Um, what was unique about last year, and we and we thought this would occur based on the fact that certain sectors in the market were be, were being disproportionately impacted. So when you think of COVID and you think of the economic shutdowns. When you look at some of the sectors within the municipal market, certainly people needed power, they needed water, they needed a, a waste management. Those are inelastic demand sectors where regardless of what ha- happens economically, um, not only are people going to pay those bills and revenues will be there, but there are mechanisms in place in those particular structures that enable them to adjust pricing to make sure that they're covering debt service. So those are sectors that are, that are really quote unquote recession proof to some degree. Uh, but certainly if you look at hotel and convention centers or airlines, um, any state like Florida, Nevada, Hawaii that is reliant on tourist activity, we knew that those those particular areas would be harder hit and, and one big one where, where quite frankly, uh, you know we think there's a lot of value, historically, and there has been a lot of value historically in the healthcare sector, um, that certainly was under assault from the uptick in, in all the usage of the facilities to deal with COVID. Uh, and their most lucrative part of their businesses, which is really elective surgeries, uh, was essentially put on hold. So um, we, we we took a look at it and said, okay, uh, at the end of the day, we were going to be in uncharted territory for a while. But certainly, um, once we started to see that um, we were getting control, more knowledge over what the virus represented, who the susceptible parts of the uh, demographic were. Um, There were some therapeutics along the way, and then ultimately talk talk of a vaccine by the end of the year. And what did we see late in the year, late third quarter, fourth quarter, we got in the muni market, a return to normalcy, if you would. And what I mean by that is credit started to outperform and curve started to outperform. And when you look at returns, historically, if you look at the Bloomberg Barclays Index, for instance, and you look at credit returns by individual segments, as you go down the credit curve, you're paid to own credit. That was the complete opposite in 2020. And when we ended the year, credit did did underperform. So the best performing part of the curve of the credit curve were triple A's followed by single A's and double A's virtually on top of each other, and then triple B's, the lowest investment grade. Um, fast forward to this year, and we said, okay, what's going to happen for investors in 21? Uh, we had a very handsome return. Uh, the investment grade index was up over 5%, high yield was just below 5%. What are investors looking at? And we knew that with the arrival of vaccines, And certainly um, the reopening of economies and some of the most importantly, remember tax time was, was delayed last year. They delayed the the tax date from April to July. And so a lot of the reporting started to come in later last year, but by the end of the year, what you're going to be, many listeners would be surprised to know is that tax revenue really was not that different than the prior year, despite everything the market had gone through and, you know, Denise, I think that investors should understand where tax revenues come from to pay debt. Yeah, at I the definitely state want you to level. cover
0: that because I think people people forget exactly what those stats are.
1: Right at the state level, it's about two components of tax of taxes. It's about income tax, and income tax is earned income, and income tax is also capital gains, and then it's about sales tax. And you know, just citing uh, the the uh, Tax Foundation. Uh, data, the most recent data, if you look at the top 10% of taxpayers in the country, that represents 71% of all taxes paid. So, And I would argue that even though the economy shifted from an in-person economy to a virtual economy uh, for for many businesses, um, that many of that top 10% of taxpayers um, were were really not impacted at all. And in fact, throw on top a healthy equity market and and decent capital gains tax revenue, um, you can see why um, that's both state and local governments, local governments, a little bit different, Denise, it's about real estate taxes and real estate taxes represent about 83% of revenues at the local level. And that really has been the bright spot. In fact, we know the Case-Shiller 20 city index reached all time highs, even, even uh, pre-crisis highs um, in this past year. So, Um, I, I, to many people, the turnaround may have been a surprise, but for, for real, uh, for people that really follow the municipal markets and understand the mechanisms in place, it really wasn't a surprise. Um, And so, so let's go, let's, your second question was about what to expect. Um, Certainly the election year complicated things, right? Because we had a situation where we had an incumbent where we knew the policy, we knew the tax structure, we basically knew what the landscape would look like if, uh, if the Trump administration had continued. But what we, what we got was a complete reversal. We got a Biden administration, not only a Biden administration, but a Biden administration with uh, not only the House, but also the Senate with a, with a slight majority, which makes um, <clears throat> policy for the Democrats easy to pass. And certainly one of the factors that I think helped the recovery in the third and fourth quarter last year was, in fact, the expectation of additional stimulus. Um, For the first time ever in 2020 in the crisis, uh, we got federal support in the muni market in the form of the CARES Act, which was direct support uh, to state and local governments and targeted uh, support to specific sectors. Um, and then we also had a muni liquidity facility that was tapped a few times from, from issuers that were in distress at, at some point uh, in that sell-off. Um, this, was, this was unprecedented. We'd never had that before. So again, go back to our original premise economic crisis created by a health crisis, certain factors would have to be in place. By the fourth quarter, those those factors were coming to fruition. We saw it not only in the muni market, but we saw it in the equity markets, obviously, as well as people were looking through the other side of COVID and seeing a a restoration of the economy.
0: So you've described sort of as we look back, it was quite the roller coaster, right? Absolutely. But now this year, uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to be as much of a roller coaster as people have uh, like you said, return to normalcy and and understand how the COVID is affecting the different areas, states, and local um, governments. But as we go into 2021 deeper, then now everybody's talking about inflation, right? So how does that play into things for you?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, and and obviously uh, for investors that have been in the market, we've seen rates rise pretty dramatically, uh, you know, relative to a market place last year that was seeing, you know, rates virtually stay near all time lows, um, you know, roughly 50 to 60 ba- basis points sell off in treasuries, about a 40, 40 to 50 basis sell off in munis. Um, you know, certainly we, we, we did share the view that as economies would open, um, I, I want to make a distinction between reflation and inflation, right? Okay. I think reflation is occurring f- without a doubt. Um, And even Chairman Powell himself has noted that um, due to basing effects, that there would be a transitory period of inflation where the economy is running a little bit hot. And we know historically that the Fed is on record as saying they will let inflation run hot for a while, really to prove it can sustain itself. Right. Because it's been uh, the economy go back pre-COVID, you know, we were not in an economy that was overheating. In fact, uh, people were, some people were concerned about disinflation, right? So um, I think there's a distinction to be made between reflation and inflation, uh, but certainly it has weighed on markets. And, uh, you know, any suggestion that the Fed step away uh, from the QE it's been doing um, has an adverse effect and a steepening effect on the curve, um, Munis have a little bit. It's not just about rates on the muni side. It's also about policy. And this is where it gets a little bit more complicated because we know that certain things uh, are going to be addressed in a second uh, resolution, uh, budget resolution, which will occur in the fall. So one of the things that have that one of the catalysts I should say that has propelled muni returns has been the positive technical. And when we talk technicals in our market, we're talking about supply demand technicals. So last year, if you look at flows into bond funds, it was the fourth best year on record. Um, So people were recognized the value in munis got comfort at some point in the, in the late spring, early summer, that this was going to turn. And we started to see massive amounts of money come back into the market. Um, The the, um, the, the secondary factor that was key to driving return was the fact that four out of the last five years, um, you know, often investors will look at headlines and they talk about municipal supply in the aggregate, but the municipal market actually has a taxable component and a tax exempt component. And four out of the last five years, that tax exempt component um, you know the the part that's going into a taxable allocation in, in an advisor's client's portfolio um, that's been lower for four out of the last five years and we're looking for another down year this year now there are some factors that could could impact that one of the things driving that that lower tax-exempt supplied has been a taxable refunding trade where issuers that traditionally have issued tax-exempt debt have been able to use taxable debt, taxable municipal debt, to advance refund their tax-exempt debt. Now, we, we know we lost advance refundings during the, 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 the Trump tax uh, changes that occurred back in 2018. Um, So what this did was essentially, historically speaking, when you did a refunding deal using tax exempts, all you did was take an existing tax exempt issue and replace it with another tax exempt issue but now you've got a taxable issue, right? So you're losing net supply out of the market, right? So you can see where that supply demand technical was being enforced by the reality of our landscape, which is more deals were coming in the taxable market. Great for insurance companies, great for overseas and buyers with hedging costs coming down. We've seen a lot of flows into the marketplace, but for the traditional buyer of tax exempts, not good, right? Because it made that supply demand imbalance even worse, exacerbated it. So the question is, are we going to get the restoration of tax exempt of sorry, of advanced refundings? Um, And that it remains to be seen. Uh, It's a tool that I think state and local governments can use to save money. They're saving money doing the taxable trade, but they can save more money with tax exempts. Some other things on the horizon. I mean, I think that once we we're we're, we're doing this podcast on the day that the stimulus bill, the one point Uh, $9 trillion stimulus bill will get signed. Um, There will be another bill that will come out in the next budget resolution, which will be in the fall. And we think a lot of these muni-centric things will be addressed there. Uh, Infrastructure is gonna be something that's talked about immediately after this bill is signed. Um, Go back to the great financial crisis. We had the Build America Bond program. It was part of what was called the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. Thought process, very similar. We needed jobs back then. We've got 11 million people out of work now. Is it a way to stimulate jobs, i.e. and the economy from the trickle down effect? Um, You know, and I think we all know that infrastructure has been a bipartisan issue for probably the last six presidential uh, cycles. Um, The holy grail. (laughs) Yeah. and, And there's never been a debate over whether we should address it. The question, the debate stems from how do we pay for it? Right And we're already in an administration that is not shy about spending money to help the economy, so I think the the jury is out as to whether or not there's a real attempt at doing infrastructure. I think you're going to hear a lot of a lot of noise around it. Um, there are several prominent senators that are coming out aggressively. Senator Manchin in West Virginia is talking about wanting to do it in a bipartisan fashion. Uh, Senator Sanders is saying, "Heck no, we're just going to do it through a, a resolution, and we don't we don't need the the Republicans. That remains to be seen. It does have implications for the market, though, because historically speaking, while there are no guarantees, I think it's a pretty safe bet that um, the statistic that roughly 75 75- percent of infrastructure historically is financed through the municipal markets, I think that will hold true again. So there's going to be an escalation in supply at some point if we get an infrastructure bill. Again, for investors in 2021, I don't think there's a, looking at the timeline, there's enough time for that to have a direct impact, but certainly that's another issue that's coming up. And then, you know, there's a bunch of them, but the last one and the significant one is the tax structure, right? We know we, we had some tax, uh, a slight tax cut on the high end during the Trump administration, we also had, um, uh, you know, the salt provision get enacted, which is actually pejorative to uh, to high tax states, where um, you know the the state and local tax amount, the deductibility was capped at ten thousand dollars. That's that's something that is in conjunction with a tax hike can really cause havoc uh, with with uh, economies, and certainly what we're seeing. And this has been a trend that we're looking at more over the medium term than the near term. But there is out migration going. California is losing people to Arizona and Texas. Illinois is losing people to Texas. Uh, the East Coast and Northeast is losing people to Florida, right? People are heading towards these no tax jurisdictions. And that's all going to eventually have a, 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 a role in the credit quality of these particular areas. So um, that's something we're keeping an eye on. But for us, we came into, into 21 saying, okay, the reflation trade causes rates to rise. Do we think they rise uh, you know, uh, significantly higher? We don't think so. Um, certainly I, I told you what we've seen so far and we're probably within 40 or 50 basis points of what some of the more aggressive forecasts are looking for. So you know, within that, um, I, I think from a muni standpoint, there's a little bit different equation, right? When you think about municipal return, it's about price return and income return. The income return, though, when you think about it, is at, is directly impacted by credit spreads, right? When you're adding instruments into your portfolios that generate excess income, they there are are items that trade with more spread. They're not they're not triple A and double A items that trade very close to a benchmark, um, and and so. Go back to our discussion about 2020. We are still in the healing process, right? And this stimulus bill that gets signed today that has a lot of direct aid going to state and local governments and specific sectors will go a long way towards healing that. Healing means that those credit spreads, even if they don't tighten, there's no reason for credit spreads to widen. There's going to be a lot of demand for higher yielding instruments because in a rising rate environment, income is your cushion. Income is the cushion that offsets the price degradation from higher rates. So, so is, you know, so is
0: income paramount right now? Is that it one is.
1: Of absolutely, Denise? Because we're still in a very low rate environment. So, not only I mentioned we set a new rate for a new low for rates in February. Uh, sorry, in March of 2020, before COVID sell-off, um, we made new lows again five months later. To the day, uh, it was uh, May 10th of of 20. Um, and, you know, again, despite having, having, uh, seeing rates rise about 40, 50 basis points, we're still at low rates. Right. So the point is this, if I'm an advisor in 2021, I'm trying to figure out to do with, you know, with my, my tax exempt allocation in my portfolio. Um, the reality is you get in markets like this, where rates are low and, Existing funds that have legacy positions that were bought opportunistically at higher rates and wider credit spreads over the last 5, 10, 10 plus years, you can't replicate the type of income you're deriving from those funds. So for us, it's about you're going to earn your income from, from your fund you're gonna get some kind of positive benefit from the healing of credit spreads, right? Um, And then we've seen credit spreads tighten already. Um, I think they have room to tighten further, but if they don't, there's no reason why we should see any significant widening in spreads. And then there's gonna be some kind of offset if rates stay where they are. Um, some There are some people that feel like the stimulus impact will fade. I for one think markets may be a little bit overzealous at this point um, because it's a show me story for us. The economy hasn't proven that we've been able to sustain 2% type inflation and there's some structural issues in place which really aren't going away. So I think at the end of the day, um, we're seeing positive returns for the asset class this year, uh, but income, as you as you said, income is going to be the key driver of return in 2021.
0: Well, it's clear with so many things um, affecting the muni markets and it changing constantly and markets realizing what's mo- most important at that moment in time, it's clear that we're going to have to visit with you on a regular basis. We need to get your thoughts on an ongoing basis and, and uh, stay up on all of this. Uh, so for right now, you know, again, we look back, we covered over 2020, uh, got a sense of what uh, factors are at play now for the 2021 performance in the muni markets. And we touched on, too, um, how to make a selection. You know, what, what are some of the things that you need to, to factor on Um when you're making a selection to make a muni investment. And I think you, you've you zeroed on that too with income. Uh, any closing thoughts in terms of, again, guidance for um, how to select the right kind of muni investment for your clients?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, for, for me, uh, it, it's about consistency, right? This is, trad- uh, we, we take a very traditional view on the asset class. Um, while there have been equity-like returns in a post-great financial crisis world, I mean, we've had, you know, 16% type returns in some years in our index. Um, that, that's great, and I'll take that. But really, the true purpose of this asset class is to first and foremost preserve your wealth, but then certainly to, to find an advisor that can help you optimize or maximize that tax-exempt income stream that you're trying to derive from your corpus of wealth. And we think that the way to do that is through income, um, to find a manager that has consistently delivered, uh, you know, uh, good return and good income. It is a, still a low rate environment. Uh, people would be surprised to see where, you know, below investment grade yields are in our marketplace. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there, there is a very, uh, you know, decent chance that this low rate environment sticks around for a while. Uh, you know, we're, we've seen reflation, we've seen, it, it feels painful after seeing, you know, a 30-year a, a treasury bond sit in the 160 to 170 range for a very long time. And now you're up at two and a quarter. But when you think about it, historically, just nominal rates, we're still in a very, very low rate environment. So our biggest fear is reinvestment, our reinvestment fear, right? Like, if we lose bonds out of portfolios, you're rotating that money into a lower yielding environment, right? And that's, any income manager will tell you that that's their biggest fear. So the advice is stay tuned. As you succinctly noted, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, A lot of it's policy related. Some of it won't come till later in the year. Um, We will continue to be a voice and help investors navigate the municipal world. And, you know, I just want to say thank you and wish everybody luck in 2021.
0: Very grateful to have had this conversation. A lot of great insights shared. And we look forward to checking with you next month to see what has unveiled. Thanks so much, Greg. Appreciate you. Thank you, being
1: you Denise.
2: This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or a solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objective will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, you should consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, Reliance has been placed, without independent verification, on the accuracy and completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the marketing name for the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Investment products and advisory services are distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors, a registered broker-dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of Macquarie Investment Management Business Trusts. Macquarie Group refers to the Macquarie Group Limited and its subsidiaries and affiliates worldwide. Delaware Funds by Macquarie refers to certain investment solutions that Macquarie Investment Management distributes, offers, refers, or advises. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, none of the entities noted in this podcast are authorized deposit-taking institutions for the purposes of the Banking Act of 1959 from the Commonwealth of Australia. The obligations of these entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank Limited. Macquarie Bank Limited does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect to the obligations of these entities unless otherwise noted.